Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burger Master. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burger Master is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burger Master on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Everybody. Welcome to episode 100 of Real Hawk Talk. Yes, episode 100. We had all these great plans for it, and then we were just too lazy to do anything about it. So we're just going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm Brian Nemhauser, uh, one of your hosts for the show tonight. Um, we are going to be previewing the Seahawks versus the Falcons week one of the 2020 season uh, after just watching the Chiefs dismantle the Texans on the first uh, game of the, the 2020 NFL season. Um, and with me, we've got a great crew tonight. Um, first, uh, we'll bring in Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG on Twitter. And if I'm not mistaken, Dana, you are in football country right now. Where are the games going on? Is that right? I am. Yes. I actually live in Kansas City. And uh, this town is a uh... It's nuts. It has been since February. So everything is red. Everything's covered in Chiefs gear. It's it's a little crazy, but they're really excited. It was a long 50 years for them. So I'm pretty happy for them too. Yeah, I'm kind of happy the Chiefs won a Super Bowl, not only because they beat the 49ers, which was yep. awesome and appreciated, <laughs> but you know, there's there's a lot of teams where, you know, or there's at least a few teams where if they win, you kind of just don't like that they won. I don't really care that the Chiefs won and the fans are good fans and they've been good fans and loyal fans and they've been a, a long time without a trophy. So I was really happy that they got one. I feel a little uh, bad for them that they didn't get to be, you know, full full house tonight to, mm -hmm. to have that first game after, you know, when you raise the, the banner. But um yeah it's cool cool to see and, and the, the home team seems to have done their job. So yeah. Uh, Next, we've got Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons, and uh, happy to have you on, dude. Uh, how are you doing? 
I'm good. I'm so, I'm so happy to watch football. It's, it feels like it's been so long, no preseason. And also, this audible by you guys at the last minute worked out great because my Raptors in Toronto somehow won last night, and game seven would have been during our show tomorrow. So I would have had to try to multitask, and I might have been a mess. So this really worked out. I think so. I think so. The, the people spoke. We gave them some choices, and, and people wanted it tonight. I think that was the right choice. People want their Friday nights open. And Jeff, I, I do have to say, man, hey, uh, hearty handshake from across the the, the globe here. Uh, you and I were the uh, on episode one, so yeah, we, we've, we, we've made it. We've made it to a hundred, man. Congrats! I was gonna say, what what uh, episode did Nathan and I uh, cram ourselves into? What, what we, when did we that begin? You guys it. on for some like I don't know why we did it. I still ask myself. To Clearly, it was a great mistake. It was like Brian got four or five or something. Four or five, okay. Yeah, Were you because I, that? I said you got sick of me, so we needed we needed to change it up. <laughs> no, well, I remember absolutely. you guys brought on Aaron Levine as one of like the first few episodes, right? I, I don't think that was might have been episode one, even. Like we had, I remember the first guest we got was either Aaron or. Who was the guy who wrote that big SI? It was ESPN Seahawks story. Like the oh, first. I know who you're talking about. That was the guy. Seth we Wickerson. It. Yeah, Seth yes. was our first guest. Wickerson. And he, he was willing to come on. And Mike Garofalo came on one of the first episodes, like driving in a car at training camp. And Yeah, we've had um, uh, Kenny Main. Uh, we've had uh, we've had all sorts of amazing guests on the show. And, and uh, it's... It's funny. Early on, we really struggled with technology. Like the Aaron Levine interview basically was unlistenable. Oh. And and then in the middle, when Google changed everything on us, we really struggled we, with technology. We were so nervous about that, Brian. I Remember know. like the nights we stayed up? Well, maybe I stayed up sweating Whoa. my we ass did. off, worried that this wasn't going to work. And Zoom ended up probably being a better shift actually for us, I think. It, it has. And and you were a huge part of figuring all that out. So that was great. But um, uh, those that don't know, um, that was Evan Hill at Evan in SEA, uh, our, our, our fourth co-host uh, of the night. Welcome in, Evan. Um, so folks, my goodness, it is week one and the Seahawks are playing a game and we weren't even sure this was going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember in the Real Hawk Talk chat, there was like, I don't know, is this NFL season really going to happen or not? And now I think we're all pretty sure it's going to happen, not only this week, but probably in a sustainable way. So, um, Jeff, let's start with you. Um, you know, as you as you kind of look at the Seahawks heading into the season, we've done our predictions and a bunch of stuff there. Um, we've heard a little bit more about um, – depth chart and and some information there kind sure. of curious like what's your what's your kind of feeling going into this game what what is the the you know what are a couple of the seahawks that you're really kind of eager to see well the obvious one is i'll, I'll get a little deeper after is Jamal adams uh the seahawks have never had a player like this really even camp chancellor this guy is different just the way he can just change the game defensively, the way he can blitz, the way he can just like, if you watch the chiefs and they'll get so much attention, the way the honey badger came in and kind of changed their whole defensive mentality mm-hmm. and the way he moves around. Adams is a better version of that. So having a guy like that 
we talked so much about safety play last year. So having maybe the best one in the league, I'd say obviously him. And if I'm going to go the other side of the ball, I'm interested to see Ethan Posick. And Posick is a guy that none of us thought would win the center job. We all thought BJ Finney would clearly win that job. And when Posick came out of LSU, he was a pretty good center. And oddly enough, Posick has never played a game at center in the NFL. That sums up the Seahawks offensive line scouting and development that a center's never played center before. But I'm interested to see how he does because if he's one of these run-of-the-mill classic Seahawks offensive linemen, it's a big blow to a, a group that needs to get better. But if he's a solid foundation middle-of-the-road guy, like that's a big deal for this line. So I'm kind of excited to see how he holds up. They're playing Grady Jarrett week one, so that's an interesting test. So, yeah, I'd say Posick and Jamal Adams. Those are interesting calls. And I love the, I love the Jamal Adams pick, not just because it's, you know, obviously we're all interested in that, but I think we all, anyone that was watching that game and saw honey badger get that pressure um, that, was it. that led to the interception. And you're like, Adams is a better pass rusher. He's the best pass rusher maybe ever at the, the defensive back position. And we haven't really seen that even when there was cam and Earl, there were not those guys were not quarterback pressure safeties. You know, they, you know, we talk about Troy Polamalu. That was a guy that would sometimes get after the quarterback, but we didn't have guys that were like that. So this is a bit of a unique situation in that regard. I, I think it is going to be fun to see if the Seahawks are able to utilize him. Um, and I think the Postics a great call because I think we all kind of assume that maybe he's getting that out of default because he's been in the offense and he knows the line calls, but. You're right. I mean, he was a highly regarded center. People actually supported that pick outside of Seattle because of his center play. But then the Seahawks played him everywhere but there um, up until this <laughs> year. <laughs> so, right. People right. thought so, he was a right tackle. I mean, and I'll tell you, no, no hyperbole at all. I saw Ethan Posick play right tackle as a rookie in training camp in one-on-one pass rush drills, and he was a much better pass protector than Jermaine Effetti. Much better. But they were like, no, we're going to play a Fetty because he, he's a better run blocker. And so I am hopeful that Posick maybe is a guy that can hold up at center. I think he's Britt was better at center than he was at guard or tackle. And I think Posick was a better guard than Britt was. At, uh, Posick is a better guard than Britt was a guard. So I, I think there's a reason to think that maybe Posick can be a better center than Britt. I just realized something. Did Are the Seahawks giving both Britt and Posick their first shots at center? in their third year in the NFL, because I remember they, they moved yeah. Brit around, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, the fourth did. year for Posick, isn't it? Yeah. I think Posick's been around. Oh, no Posick's way. Not. Is he in his fourth yeah. year? Yeah. His last year's contract. Here, so. Yeah. Oh, that year. sucks. Because if he's good, then it's like, you're going to have to pay him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Fourth year. Wow. Okay. Um, Dana, how about yeah. you? I mean, who, who are the folks that you're most interested in seeing uh, going into Sunday? Well, um, I have to agree on Adams. I, I was sitting here. My son came over to watch the football game for a little bit tonight, and we were watching the, the beginning, and they were doing you know all the videos that the players had done, um, Black Lives Matter and things like that. And Jamal Adams came on the screen, and I looked at Hayden. I said, I don't think I've quite wrapped my brain around the fact that he plays for Seattle because we haven't gotten to see him yet. You know, I, I'm excited to see him on the field in the uniform playing. I it got it got me real excited for the season. I'm not gonna lie. But I, other than that, I am a big, big believer in 
the second year jump for players. I think that that is a really true, is a really true for a lot of, for a lot of players. You see that huge jump, the game slows down, they, you know, have their feet underneath of them. And so I, I'm starting to buy in, not that I didn't buy in last year, but I'm really buying into DK Metcalf this year, really buying into him this year. I hope he doesn't let me down. <laughs> Cause I'm not any, I'm not an offense lover. I'm a defense lover. And so I always, am like, meh, wide receivers, whatever, you know, move on. But, um, but I, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, and then, and this might be, you know, kind of silly of me, but I'm interested in seeing how they're going to use Greg Olson at tight end. I think that that veteran presence and he's so I hate to say when football players I hate to say his button but he's so football smart like it's just fun to watch him play and so I think it'll be interesting to see how Seattle decides to use him he's obviously not an every down player but I think it could be fun to get him in there I think those are interesting like that DK was I'm going last on this one and he would have been my number one I, I I think it's fun I think he's one of the best players in the whole league. And I think he's going to show that this year. And I, I just he doesn't prove us wrong. I don't know. There's usually those points where you feel like, oh man, am, am I out of over my skis? And am I going to regret mm. this? I don't think that guy's, I don't think I it's don't possible either. with him. I think the, the, the air was straight up on him. And, and I think, uh, whoa, I, like on the turf, you know, against a bad secondary, I'm just like, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see him just go off on Sunday. Like, that would just, it would make me, very that would happy. be amazing. <laughs> All right. Evan, how about you? Like, wh- what are the, you know, what are the players, the players that you're like most excited? There's got to be one, a clear answer here from him. Yeah. We all know one. I actually have no. Are you Rashad are you Penny about- isn't playing? Oh, so. wow. yeah, was this a Jason Myers joke? Was yeah. that what it was? No. Oh, oh no, it was. no, that's yeah. what I was referring to. Me neither. What? Oh, Marquise Blair? Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Blair hype train. KJ has crowned him as of today. Oh. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. So is this the same KJ who crowned Tedrick Thompson? Hey, you win some, you lose some. So, you know, 50 <laughs> 50. Okay, I'm going to go with a sort of underrated uh, group that we've all been discussing a lot. I'm really curious to see how this defensive line performs on Sunday, both in pass rush and in um, uh, run defense. Actually, more particularly run defense. Atlanta is not a super great um, running football team. Like they were ranked, I think, like 20th in, in run offense of D- DVOA last year, but they love to run the football. And guess who they added this offseason? Todd Gurley from the Rams, who was cut. This is going to be a little bit of an early test, in my opinion, uh, particularly against the run game. I, I, I actually don't really, you know, I, I get Jeff's answer of like Jamal Adams and stuff like that, but I, I really think the secondary is going to cause problems for the Falcons. I'm really not worried about Calvin Ridley or Julio. I, I, I believe in the talent that grades. Yeah. I'm the, I, as a passing lover, as a let Russ cook type of guy, like I'm more interested to see how this team holds up and run defense on Sunday. I really that's am. That's Atlanta was 29th in rushing yards last year. Yeah, yeah. That's not surprising. So my point is like, if they struggle on Sunday, <laughs> 
it might not be not a, a good, good foreshadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about Atlanta for sure. Offensive line is is one of the big question marks for the Falcons, and we know how that feels. But um, yeah, you guys hit on a lot of them. I think uh, you know Jeff, especially. I think you picked some unique ones that are that that stand out to me. But but like. <sighs> man, I could just go through the whole roster as I'm sure you guys could as well. <laughs> um, DK would have definitely been my first. Um, Blair certainly is up there. Jamal's up there, but um, you know, I really, I really want to see uh, Jaron Reed. Like, is he going to be a guy that is anything more than a guy? Like, I think that would be big. And I'm kind of thinking about like, what are the guys that if they stood out on Sunday, it would mean the, that maybe the ceiling's a little bit higher for this team. Like, who are those guys? It's I'll, it's I'll give you an answer right now. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's Benson Mayoa. Mm -hmm. It's yep. LJ Collier. Oh, yeah, Rash that's one of them. It's Rasheem Green. Mm -hmm. It's it's those guys that are just big. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Big, fat question marks. And if they show up and all of a sudden this defensive line is a little bit better than we expected, maybe much better than we expected, I think the ceiling for this team raises significantly. It's that's it. I mean, like, it, just imagine. I mean, even like, okay, you're all on the record. There are receipts right now. <laughs> if the Seahawks have a good pass rush on Sunday, and let's say that's three or four sacks, you know, 10 plus pressures, you know, whatever, whatever the numbers would be that we'd mm -hmm. feel good about. Can we all agree that that will matter regardless of whether the Falcons offensive line is good or bad? Because the Seahawks faced yeah. plenty of crappy offensive lines last year and couldn't generate a pass rush. So if they do it, let's not do the thing where we come back. Well, the Falcons are really crappy. So <laughs> matter. Like I well, hate that. Hold up. Atlanta in pass protection per football outsiders was top 13 last year. They were 13. So, I mean, that's good. Right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, know there's different measures you can go by. Yeah. Measures. Yeah. I, I think they're pretty iffy. I mean, Jake Matthews is the, you know, I wouldn't call them bottom half of the league though. Right. Yeah. Alex Max there. Yeah. Like both of them had down years last James year. James Carpenter. Yeah. Well, he's not, is he still there? Yeah. He's the left guard. Yeah. Are you sure? I believe so. Yeah, the guy from UW is the right tackle. Yeah, McGarry's the right tackle. He struggled a lot, and um, I had thought that they had a different uh, left guard this year, but I could be wrong. Um, I'll I'll pull it up. But in any event, I just want, especially Evan, you on the record that if they have a good pass rush, you're not going to undermine it. Uh, come uh, next week, <laughs> no, that, no. If they have a if they have a good pass rush, I'll be excited, but I don't think in any way it's like, Oh, time to circle the wagons and celebrate. Like, you, you know what I mean? Celebrate this much, Evan. Do you have it in? Yes. Just a little bit. Just a smidge. To do what? What to was celebrate that? Just a oh, little no, bit. I, I, if, I, oh. if we see signs of a pass rush on Sunday, I'll be excited. Don't okay. get me wrong. Because right. we rarely saw signs of a pass rush in 2019. <laughs> so right. that would be I'll an upgrade. Yeah, so I mean, I think I think you're right on the defensive line. I think the other thing is on offensive line, Damian yeah, Lewis. That's a big one. We have not seen Damian Lewis take a snap. Seen anybody? Oh my gosh! Like oh. this guy, this guy. If he's good, if we see some snaps of him just mowing guys down or oh. protecting well. Oh, Brian, stop! 
you're just <laughs> This is this is getting this is getting uh sexual for yeah. I was gonna say this is like getting too. Dana, Dana <laughs> you need to be aware that Evan Evan and football have uh odd, no, particularly odd good reasons. offensive linemen who happen to play for the Seahawks. Whew, yeah. Nothing gets me going like that. <laughs> what? I can't imagine because everything gets you. <laughs> Just fair. Yeah, I mean, and, and um, you know. I was gonna I was gonna ask, like, do you guys are you guys expecting the Seahawks to come out and establish the run? Or are you expecting them to come out and look a little different on offense, pass a little bit more, pass a little bit in different situations? What's your expectation? It's a hot topic. I'd like to understand what you guys are thinking is gonna happen in this game. Dana. Well, I mean, here's the thing, you know, running gets a team nowhere. Just look at that chiefs game right now. So, um, where they are running the ball more than they ever have, just saying. but no, I, I hear <laughs> this is what's driving me crazy about not having preseason. I don't know because literally we're all playing ghosts, right? Like we have no idea what's going to happen, but I do think just from Russell's comments, the, the few things that he has said where he's like, you know, yeah, I'd like to not have to wait to the fourth quarter to throw the ball all the time. And just those little things, I, I can't imagine they would have been completely ignored. So I don't think we're going to see the same old, same old, you know, that we've seen for the last few years out of them. I, I can see them shaking it up. And from KJ's, you know, the mentions he had, to, you know, what he said today about how they're changing their defense up a little bit makes me think maybe they looked at the whole situation and offense will get a change too. I still think they're going to run a lot. <laughs> I don't think that's going to change much, but maybe, maybe Evan will get his passing percentage. I'm, I'm not convinced there's going to be any significant changes on the run pass splits, but you know what I think is going to be a significant change is the pace at which they, they, um, uh, run plays. Yeah, exactly. That's that would be nice because that's frustrating. That's something that was kind of talked about, I feel like, towards the end of last year. Russell hinted at it quite a few times. I could see them going up-tempo, mm -hmm. exactly. And honestly, Russell, it, haven't we seen it, like, statistically? Like, this offense is much better in hurry-up mode. Like, yeah. like they have it been just, for years. Yeah, it just seems like always, an obvious change to make. It, so It always seems like they're snapping at, like, the last second of the play clock. I, mean, you I could see them people. picking it up this year. For some, just, so. just a gut feeling. It seems like such a struggle every year. Well, I mean, I know I'm in the, the tiny minority, or at least the minority on, on nerdy Twitter, but probably the majority on the rest of Twitter, uh, or at least CX fans. But everyone's like, oh, the CX never change. I mean, they do, it changed massively in, in terms of how they played defense last year, playing Tampa 2, playing base. Um, they changed actually on offense more than people want to acknowledge evan you might remember this when one of the pods last year i was looking at the numbers they made one of the largest jumps in you remember two years ago we were so frustrated about second and long runs second and 10 second and 11 they well, would run the ball they made one of the biggest jumps in terms of moving to passing in those situations last year so it's not like they don't make any changes i think that people just want more and so you know i think there is a chance that they're going to be coming out um, and try to take advantage of a weak secondary from, from the Falcons. Anybody who thinks the Seahawks don't change, 
doesn't follow the Seahawks. Like I'll, I'll give you a prime example. You know what I bitch about all the time is not going for it on fourth and short. But if we remember something early in Pete Carroll's tenure with the Seahawks, he used to be called hormonal Pete who would go for it on fourth down and was a little more risque and they've gotten more conservative in recent years. So I absolutely think they're capable of changing. So as we kind of look through, uh, we talked about the Seahawks, uh, some of the Seahawks players we're looking forward to and the ones that would be big bellwethers. Um, you know, a lot of people are in the chat are bringing up DJ Dallas and, and none of us have talked about him. What do you guys think is, is like a, uh, <laughs> what do you guys think is a reasonable expectation? What would be a good game for DJ Dallas coming into this? What are you guys expecting from him? And and let's start with you, Jeff. Um, I think he's going to be the third down running back. And I think, I think he's, I saw today that Shoddy said he wants to get all four guys carries. So that was kind of odd, but I think he's going to be opening series, third down running back. Carlos Hyde isn't that. Chris Carson wasn't great at catching the ball in the backfield. And mm -hmm. Dallas is supposed to be a great pass yeah. protector that can kind of play that CJ Procise role. So how do you feel about the four? I'm not four guys all getting snaps. I don't want Travis Homer getting snaps. No, I was my well, hold up, hold up, hold up. He didn't say carries. He said playing time. That's a, that's an important distinction. I okay, still but, well, I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> I don't want to see Travis Homer getting snaps. I'm sorry. No, like, no. <laughs> no. Maybe on special teams. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Evan, what about you? What are you thinking about for DJ Dallas? Yeah, I think he's going to, I'm going to go the cable Thanos approach perspective here. I think DJ Dallas is going to be a big surprise on offense this year, particular, particularly in third down duties. We saw what CJ Procise could do when he was healthy. Um, oh, like he's going to be, yeah, <laughs> over four years. He's, yeah. I think he's going to be a very capable sort of uh, mm -hmm. safety outlet for Russell. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw, particularly specifically on Sunday, like two to three big down third down conversions from DJ Dallas. I could really see that. Dana, you have any, any hopes and dreams for DJ Dallas? Just like I said, when we were on one other time, you know, that I only got contacted about two of our draft picks and DJ Dallas was one of them. They said that that was a huge deal for us and that, and that they, for Seattle and that they, um, were a little surprised that, um, you know, he was where he was at. Um, Everyone who watched him play a lot in Florida liked, you know, in was he Miami or Florida? I can't remember. Miami. And Miami. Um, he uh, just was really impressed with the kid and, and really liked him. I, I'm interested by what you said about what Shawnee said about the running backs. Do you guys think, and this is just a little theory I have in my head, that maybe the whole running back by committee, which we know won't really happen, Carson will get the majority of them, but is because all of them went down last year. So they're trying to save, you know, some, I don't know if they're trying to save some wear and tear on them. I, I don't know, maybe so that they can all get some time in before they all start dropping like flies. I mean, it just is, it seems that, and that's my theory about whether they start to throw a little bit more this year too, is that a little, you know, PTSD from losing every running back you had last year. Yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a good point. I, I just, I don't really know what to expect from DJ Dallas. I'm expect I guess my expectation is he's going to be the third down back. Yeah. I expect that Hyde and Carson are going to split uh, early down carries. And I expect that they're going to target him in the passing game. Um, you know, he'll be primarily a pass protector in those situations, but he'll also, you know, catch swing passes and things like that. 
that's really what I'm expecting from him. And, and um, if he can just seem like another weapon on offense, that would be great. Uh, you know, I am curious, uh, you know, one of the things that's going to matter for those guys is, is the offensive line. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, as far as the injury report goes, pretty clean overall. We have Today seen... was a little weird, though. Well, let's talk about it. So, yeah. so, so Dwayne, Dwayne Brown was limited yesterday. He did not practice today. I think that's because he's just getting kind of veteran. You know, they're, they're, they're just taking it easy with him and managing him. Um, but there's some other pieces. So, like, where are you guys uh, on, on the injury report? I can bring it up if that helps. Yeah, I'll go ahead and call out the one that was concerning to me. So, Will Disley appeared on the injury report today as limited, I believe, with an Achilles. The concern I have is not that he appeared as limited. Well, let me put it this way. It's that he wasn't on the injury report yesterday and is today. So, it's not a – I can't definitively say it's a rest day, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember, I'm, I'm out of practice at this point, but my recollection is that Thursdays are the days that they tend to rest uh, the vets. Um, yeah. Clowney got a lot of Thursdays off last year. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm not looking too much at the Thursday. We've got a few guys that were limited. There's Cedric, uh, Agboy, you've got Dwayne who did not practice. You've got Philip Dorsett who was limited. Disley was limited and Jamarco Jones was limited. So all our tackles. <laughs> yeah yeah so um i don't know is, is any of that concerning to anyone here let's see what happens tomorrow on yeah. the injury report <laughs> i i'm not that concerned i i think that that i i think that well especially for brown for sure i think they're just resting they're he's 35 and they're giving him a minute you know what i mean so i think that that's probably that with disley i don't know maybe they maybe they just don't want to, you know, tax him too much at first. I don't know. It just doesn't, it seems weird that these things just pop up out of nowhere. And, you know, we hadn't heard of an injury. We hadn't heard of, you know, or anything like that, that it just kind of showed up and that it was limited instead of did not practice. It doesn't, it doesn't worry me as much. Yeah. I mean, on the Falcons side, um, there's <laughs> yeah, a, lot. a little more concerning if I'm a Falcons fan, uh, Marlon Davidson, their second round pick uh, defensive tackle, who's a big part of, I think what they're trying to pair with Grady Jarrett. He went from limited practice on Wednesday to did not practice today. Mm -hmm. um, he's certainly not getting veteran rest. Uh, yeah. Kendall Sheffield, who's been a starter for them at times. I think he's expected to be a backup cornerback has not practiced yet this week. Um, and then AJ Terrell, who took Sheffield's spot, their rookie first round pick went from full practice on Wednesday to limited practice with a hamstring. Oh, wow. Earning, but if you got a hamstring, you never know. So like, I'd be a little bit concerned if I was a Falcons fan. Um, all right. So let's talk about this matchup. I mean, uh, the, the Falcons were a team last year that were pretty good passing. Um, and they actually passed more than any other team in the NFL as a percentage of plays. Uh, they were awful running as, as Evan talked about, they struggled with their offensive line. Um, they have terrific receivers in Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. They had Austin Hooper, who was a terrific tight end, and they've now replaced him with Hayden Hurst, who a lot of people are high on. But I would say it's going to be hard for him to be better than Austin Hooper. Um, and then you've got defense, which was awful for most of the year, and then got better. They were tied for the Seahawks in terms of pass rush with 28 sacks. 
um, and got most of those in the back half of the season. Secondary has been a mess, but this year they get Keanu Neal back, who's who's a big part of their secondary. They got a great linebacker in Deion Jones. So, you know, that's kind of the overview of this Falcons team. Um, you know, where, as a Seahawks fan, uh, Jeff, where do you want to see the Seahawks attack? And where are you worried that the Falcons have an advantage? I think the obvious place uh, to attack is the cornerbacks. So if you remember the Tampa game plan last year, where the game plan just looked so obvious and we were all worried that Shoddy and them were going to beat their heads against the wall, but they came out throwing from the first drive. And I think the offense put up 40 points that day. And I looked at the uh, PFF numbers of Atlanta's corners last year, and they were some of the worst corners in the league. And Tyler Lockett had a great game in Atlanta last year. DK Metcalf had two touchdowns in Atlanta last year. And now the guy who was supposed to cover them, Sheffield, AJ Terrell, they're both banged up. So their corners are really ranked low on PFF and they struggled last year pretty seriously against our players. So Lockett and Metcalf got to be the big part of this game plan. They are huge. Keanu Neal is probably going to cover the tight ends. He's a big factor that wasn't there last year. On the other side of the ball, in terms of Brian's other question, the thing that worries me is the elephant in the room. Matt Ryan passes more than any other quarterback. One of his best elements is how quickly he gets the ball out. He's really hard to move off the spot. You saw it in some of those playoff games in the past with Seattle. He's really good when he gets in rhythm. And if the Seahawks rush, especially at the middle, can't get anything going, as good as we think the Seahawks secondary is, they got two great receivers, a potentially good tight end. If they get in rhythm, they're going to be really hard for the stop with no rush. So this is kind of their big issue and their big supposed strength kind of coming on the nail. And if things don't work, our postgame show might get a little scary. So it's a tough matchup to see if the pass rush can affect the game because Matt Ryan is just, he's a, he's a rhythm quarterback. And when he gets going, you got to move him off the spot. It's true. And, and he also gets rid of the ball very quickly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you know, to your point, Jeff, the, the, the Falcons best cover corner last year was Desmond Trufant. He's not on the team anymore. So not only did they, did they struggle in coverage last year, but their best cover corner is gone and they're replacing him with a rookie who has not yet proven himself. And now has a hamstring injury. Like there are some serious questions for them in the secondary, even with Keanu, Keanu Neal is, I think a great player. He's not a great coverage guy. He's, he's a run support guy. So yeah. Um, you know, Evan, what about you? I mean, what are you thinking about here in terms of like, wh- where's your concern about um, how the Seahawks can hold up against the Falcons? Yeah. Um, let me pass this one over to Dana before I answer. I want to go last. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Dana, you ha- do you have okay. uh, thoughts on this? I, I, well, you know, really when you just look at the numbers from last year, I mean, Seattle played there last year, they won 27 to 20. Um, I, I think that for the most part, as long as it's not a playoff game, Seattle does okay with, with Atlanta. And I think the familiarity between the coaches um, helps both sides probably equally, but they, they both know each other so well, but this is going to come down to the defenses. I think the offenses can be really kind of tit for tat, especially with the, you know, the, the wide receivers we have now. I mean, they were even, there was, who was out there comparing DK to Julio. I mean, I think that that was, you know, and so we have that. So it's going to come down to defenses, which both these teams defenses struggled last year. So it's who made the better um, decisions. If you ask me for Atlanta, Seattle, 
made the better acquisitions in Jamal, in Quentin Dunbar. In, and have we heard, we, he can play, right? Like we're still good there that as far we as- We don't know what they're going to do there. The depth yeah, it's been a little sketchy. Dunbar yeah. or Trey Flowers. Like yeah. it, it seems like he's going to play, but I don't think we know yet. Yeah, I don't, okay. So I, I think if you're looking at the strengths of the other team, Seattle came off a little bit better with that secondary because they throw so much. So I think that is definitely a plus. Um, but however, we can't forget that Atlanta picked up is Dante Fowler too. And so we, you know, that yep. was an addition. So we have on the defense, but I think if you're looking at them with out a question, the Falcons just throw the ball. They do rely on Matt Ryan so much and he is so quick, but fingers crossed first game of the year, we don't know, but hopefully then the additions that Seattle made for that secondary is going to become key for this. Yeah. And Evan, I mean, the thing that, it's not it's not a specific matchup. I mean, I can go into matchups and I wrote about some matchups, mm-hmm. but the thing that concerns me most as a Seahawks fan is just week one on the road. Yep, we have such a bad record. Not being 10 a.m., but just like the Seahawks, you almost never get a good view of who this team is the first week. It's like a totally different team the first week of the season. <laughs> and then you get to four weeks later. before you know who they are. So like, I'm just like, oh man, I, th- I feel like oh, we're going to be just, biting our knuckles through the first half. Like I cannot believe we're not beating this team and it's going to let Atlanta hang in. And then it's going to be a tighter game than we want it to be. That's, that's what it would concern me. I look at these teams and it's to me, it's no question. The Seahawks are the better team. Mm -hmm. Like that does not mean that they're going to (laughs) win. It does not mean they're going to win by a lot. So that's, you know, that's my biggest concern. It's not any specific matchup. It's that, you know, that we don't see Russ come out and hit DK, you know, in rhythm or that, you know, that there are just some blown coverages or something. That's the thing that would drive me crazy. Yeah. I I think what concerns me about this game the most, Brian, is Atlanta for as much as they struggled last year still has like a ton of high powered flashy talent on offense in, you know, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, they just traded for Hayden Hurst. Like, Matt Ryan is not bad. Like he's still really good. Um, So like, like what we saw last year where the Seahawks left, if you guys remember last year, the Seahawks went up 17 points and let them climb back into the game. And I think they only ended up winning by three or seven points or something. They were up 24, nothing. And they won 27, 20. (laughs) I think it was the most painful game defensively they had all year. I, I, I think the key, so far. And by the way, Marquise Blair was the starting safety. Watching Matt Schaub go for like 400 yards was horrific. You know what? In Nothing. <laughs> oh, that was horrible. Nothing would encourage me more <laughs> than to see the Seahawks. I don't care if it's via run, via pass, just st- st- keep their foot on the accelerator. Do not get conservative. Do, do not get relaxed if you build up a lead can we just kill a bad team for once? I know. Well, that's what we all got excited about in this game is like, Oh my God, they're head 24, nothing. They're finally playing to their level and not to the level of their competition. And then they just did. Um, it was so disappointing, but uh, you know, those things, those parts don't, aren't the thing that's going to bug me as much. I guess what I really like, even the pass rush, we've talked about that a lot. I think Jeff, your point about Matt Ryan, he really does get rid of the ball quickly he is a tough guy to sack so to me like judging this game by sacks is can i turn this question around and ask yeah. you guys something sacks, let's say can they impact it so yeah. 
let me turn this around. Yeah. One underrated storyline that we briefly mentioned is Quentin Dunbar has not technically earned that cornerback two spot yet. Fast forward to Sunday, say Trey Flowers is the starting corner across Shield Griffin, Shaquille Griffin, who will be matching up mostly with Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. Does that change your projection, prediction, whatever, the outcome of this game in your mm-hmm. mind? No. Uh, Dana, you want to go first? Yeah, I just say no. I, I don't <laughs> think it does. But yeah, and the reason, and the reason being is for it is because of what we used to see in Seattle. If a corner was having a bad game, a safety had their back. And that's always the way it was with Earl and Cam. Those guys could speak without ever muttering a word. And I have a feeling that within practice that Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, we're not talking about Diggs very much. They can be enough of a cleanup crew to help flowers if they need it. But I still think Quentin Dunbar starts on Sunday. Brian. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I definitely want Quinn Dunbar to be the starter, mm-hmm. but I don't know that to me, that's a material like impact on this particular game. Mm-hmm. If you're telling me over the course of a season, I would say absolutely. But I'm just, uh, I'm not as sure about that one. Um, I think, you know, flowers wasn't a disaster last year. He just so is either. a below average corner. Um, he got picked I, on though. He did. He did. He did. But I mean, he's, he's played against these players before. So, you know, I, I'm not, that's not an end of the end of the, you know, end of the year. Thing. Yeah. People were going a little crazy with that yesterday. Mm-hmm. You have to understand Dunbar's missed a lot of time in camp. He wasn't with the team. Like it's not that surprising if they have to ease him into action. Yeah. Like it's nothing against, it's not a coaching mistake or it's not a thing on Dunbar. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he had to go to that funeral. He was, we weren't sure if he was going to play. He had to learn a new scheme. He had to get in shape. He had to go through COVID testing. Like Trey Flowers he had some been crap he going on. Yeah. <laughs> he really did. <laughs> this guy knows the scheme. Like it's not a big deal if it's just for one week. And he's, to, for lack of a better word, he's hell bent on proving it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, in some of his, oh, yeah. his interviews, Trey has been like, you know, I realize I'm fighting for this start. I didn't, I think they, he was surprised when they got Dunbar. I don't think he expected that. And so he seems real fired up and that maybe that'll bring out a better side of him. But like I said, clear back, you know, when I very first did your show, having Trey flowers as the backup, if Dunbar should get hurt, I'm not worried about that. That's a good Uh, thing because he had, you know, and so if he's got to be in there, it it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't give me fits of worry. Yeah. I, I think, I guess my point was about the pass rush is I almost come back to what Evan was saying before it's the run defense that like almost to me starts this. If the run defense is atrocious, that's <laughs> there's no excuses or explanations for that. That's just a really bad sign against unless yeah. Gurley goes off. You have to yeah, remember Gurley going off. Like, you know, Dana, it's, it's, know. it's, a, it's the Listen, blockers in front of them. It's it. not the running back. Right. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Right. Yeah. And they just don't have a great offensive line. And if, if, if the Seahawks struggle defending the run against this crew, 
that wait till they play a, the Niners. Right. There right. might be a signing. There might be a signing next week. At the, at the same time, <laughs> we have to keep in mind. I think. I think what happened here because I, I was talking to my family about this is what's what's going on with the Chiefs Texans. Do you honestly think the Texans expected to come out and have to worry about a run game in Kansas City? No, but that's once again, the lack of a preseason. You have no idea what's going on there. So if it takes Seattle to the second quarter to get into the groove of that, I don't want you all to have a meltdown. Oh, Dana, you don't even know you're in for Sunday. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, Dana, you think it's I'm bad now? It. I'm just gonna mute it. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't even know. It, but you know, I mean, honestly, um, I will do the rare uh, representing analytics Twitter here for a second. We'll see how well I do. <laughs> what um, in the hell is happening? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I don't think that for most of the folks, they're saying don't run. Um, and I think what you saw the Chiefs do tonight, it's not that they decided we're going to come in game plan to run. They're basically counting people in the box. It. And the Texans mm-hmm. were, were trying to take away the pass. They had fewer guys in the box. Uh, Mahomes counts and he, he has options in what he calls in the play. And if it's, if it's an advantage to run, he'll take it and you'll take the four yards. And so I think a lot of folks on analytics, Twitter would say like, based on men in the box, running or passing could be a better or worse decision. The counter to that, that I'd say that a lot of folks who just parrot analytics, Twitter and say, let Russ cook. And it's all about just passing all the time. Don't understand that Russ is one of the guys a lot of times who's audibling to running plays. Mm -hmm. He is making the correct decision and he is reading and getting them into better run positions. So I just don't think it's as simple, obviously, as as a lot of folks want to make it. I I think it's it's quite simple. We need to cancel Russell Wilson. If, if I think that continues. I we think you're quite him. simple, Evan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I softballed that one. God damn it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, had to, I had to set you up there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the CX defend the run. And as Jeff kind of hinted at, like, first week, one of the other things that's different is veteran contracts aren't guaranteed after week one. So there might Schneider be loves that. Right. Schneider brings in those veterans after week one. So maybe we'll see snacks next week. Who knows? Um, Okay. Let's get into predictions here. Um, You know, uh, with all that we know about what's going on in this game, no fans will be there. Can we agree just before we get into the predictions, fans make a difference, even if there's Uh, 15,000 of them. Yeah. No, you can see that on the TV. No. No. Oh my God. I've told you before. I will tell you again. If 5,000 drunk, dumb 5, football. 000. Okay, what is the percentage in Atlanta? It was 17,000. It was no one, nothing. There's 17,000 in Kansas City. 17,000 oh. in Kansas City. But what's what's it on Sunday for the Falcons? Zero. Zero. So there's no fans in that stadium. No fans. So why does it matter then? Because the Falcons, because we just watched a game tonight and it was. You think I, the fans impacted that game? I do think they impacted that game. <laughs> No, but let's say it was a, I mean, and please Texans Twitter, don't freak out on me, but let's say it was a better team. So let's say it was the 49ers they were playing. Those 17,000 fans made a lot of noise. They, they made enough noise to be impactful. And so I, it's my opinion and come at me if you want to, but that the NFL needed to make the decision. No, if one team can't have fans, no team can have fans Agreed. until the other one too. I think that that's just that's com- that's competitive edge, and they shouldn't have been able. Well, to- I I don't, do don't get it don't get it twisted, Evan. It's not that that if they didn't have fans or something that all of a sudden that's why the Chiefs won. It's right. not that. No, but I'm not. That, 
to say that it didn't affect snap counts and some of the early mistakes by the Texans. Okay, so yes or, or no question. It affect referees' calls when there's a pass interference and everyone goes, oh, and then just a little <laughs> bit of psychology that they're going to throw that flag. Yes or no answer. Did it make a significant impact tonight? No. No. Okay. Okay. So yeah. at least I understand your perspective a bit yeah. more. Um, yeah. But I but I agree with you, though. It should be consistent across mm-hmm. the board, like regardless of the competitive edge piece. So. Yeah. All right. So looking at this game, Seahawks last I saw were favored by two points. Game opened at one point. It's, it's up to two. I think I also read that like 80 percent of the money or like some 98. Nine, 98. Is it 98 percent of the recipe for disaster? The Seahawks? <laughs> I sent the ninety-eight percent. That means that that Vegas really likes the Falcons in this game, right? Vegas like, does, not the best. Vegas yeah. loves the Falcons, but <laughs> Vegas has been high in the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. So knowing all that, where you got it, Evan? We're going to start with you. Give me a score for this game. Who wins and what's the score? Thirty-one to. 28 Seahawks. All right. All Wait, right. didn't you predict them to lose in the prediction show? No, that was me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that I have to maintain that. Oh. Do you I don't change, care. Did I don't you change your mind? Consistent. You can change your mind. It's okay. No, I'm going to – I'll be the outlier here. <laughs> okay. Jeff, uh, why don't you follow? I don't know. I'll take my usual life approach to this where I'm just expecting the worst. And I can just see us after the game – Wondering like why the hell Trey Flowers played and why are the, the we're going crazy about Jaron Reed and Clowney and so I'm gonna say Matt Ryan has a pretty good game and they beat us 26-24 in a game where we took a little too long to get the passing offense going and can I ask you a follow up question to that yeah so like you kind of touched on it but like in your mind for the Falcons to win on Sunday what one thing has to happen. It could be on the, the Falcons, Falcons side for the Falcons to win. What one thing has to happen. It could be on the Seahawks side. It could be on the Falcons side. The Falcons are able to control the game on offense and the Seahawks can impact them defensively. And I assume that's more from like a pass rush uh, no, pressure could be a run perspective. In, no, it could, no, it could be a run the ball up the middle Okay, because if the Seahawks can't, make an impact on the game and force them into tough situations. Sure. That plays right into Atlanta's hand. So that's where you need Jamal Adams to come off some exotic blitzes. And Joe fans talked a lot about how Adams gets a sack almost every day in practice, he said. So that kind of says that maybe Seattle is using him closer to how the Jets were and maybe not doing that traditional basic defense that they got called out for. And I think Pete, Pete took a little offense to that. I think they're Mm going to try to use him a little differently. So I think Seattle just has to impact the game. And the, the thing we talked about their defense in general last year, and we talked about with Bobby, is they need impact plays. And Bobby didn't have those last year. And they need guys that are flash players and guys that blow up plays. And without Clanny, they need new guys to do that. So if they can't do that, Atlanta's going to win the game. Yeah, Dana, how about you? Give me, give me your score. Um... And I'm going to have one more question for you guys before we sign off. Uh, usually the predictions are last, but I, 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 Evan's question sparked an idea. So what's your score? Who wins? 
35-24 Seattle and defense gets a touchdown. Ooh, I love that. Nice. that would be Who awesome. gets the touchdown? Yeah. Um, Don't say clown. Or, no. or group. Clowny? He scored all our touchdowns on defense. Yeah, I think Quandre Diggs gets it. I love that call out. No one is talking about him. He was so good last I year. I love Quandre Diggs. <laughs> yeah. He's on the last year of his deal. Now one I more. The, yeah, he has one more year after this one. He goes through 21. That deal was so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. That deal so, is so good. I've got the Seahawks uh 27-24 um winning. And um the the last question I've got for you guys before we wrap is is what's the the one thing that you think is the key for the Seahawks to win? And um I'll just start by saying, you know, there, there's different elements of the game I could name, but really I think the Seahawks have to score at least 27 points. I do not yeah. think this is the game where they, they can like defend their way to victory um, or crawl around. They're going to have to score. And it might be that they even have to score 30, but I think that they're going to have to score at least 27 points to win this game. Um, Jeff, how about you? What's, what's, what's your key to the game for the season? So I'll kind of take a different element to what you were saying. And if you guys remember the opener last year with Cincinnati, the Seahawks offensive line was a total train wreck. Mm-hmm. And it was a group we were all kind of optimistic about after the jump they made in Solari's first year. And so for the Seahawks to win this game, their offensive line has to look somewhat functional and somewhat decent. And they can't be a train wreck because if they are, there's just too many elements for disaster. And Dante Fowler, Tack McKinney, Grady Jarrett, those guys can blow up a game like Dunlap and Atkins did in that Cincinnati game. So if this whole line is fun- not functional, they're not going to win the game. And if it is, they will. That's well, a that, great one. I like that. That inside group, the centers, the center and two mm-hmm. guards is really going to be tested with Grady Jarrett on the interior. Damian Lewis could be an X factor on Sunday. He yeah, really could so be. Is that what's, what's your, what's your number one uh, key factor for the, the Seahawks? I think you got to build a wall around Russell Wilson. Like Jeff said, you know, those corners are, uh, untested and, uh, the safe, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, the safety that's coming back from injury. He's good, but he's coming back from injury. I think you have to test him and, and pick on him a little bit and air it out. I, I think, uh, I think this is a game actually that, um, Metcalf would, I know that sounds kind of obvious to say, but I, I could see Metcalf beating them over the top a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. He's so tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 150 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> what I, that's what I got in my head. Uh, Dana, how about you finish us up here? I think they need to get ahead and stay ahead. Uh, I think that this is not something you want to have to come from behind in the fourth quarter, no matter how, how confident I usually feel, no matter what the score is going into the fourth quarter with this team. But Matt Ryan is, is such a good vet. And he's such a solid quarterback. I think that he would be able to, to keep ahead if they get there. So I think Seattle really needs to get ahead and stay ahead throughout the whole mat, the whole game. I love it. All right, everybody. Uh, if you haven't already, now is a perfect time. Uh, go on YouTube, click the subscribe button, click on the little bell to get notified when we go live. Because just like we did tonight, we will move this around wherever we feel like it, whenever we feel like it, because we just like talking Seahawks and we get inspired to do so. So don't miss a show. Uh, make sure you're subscribed. A lot of folks been joining over on patreon.com slash hawkblogger. It's five bucks. 
join up at five bucks. Money goes to a great cause. And you get added to our Slack uh, channel where, you know, you can bug us whenever you want. Um, and uh, we'll talk more Seahawks there. So uh, that's an obvious thing to do. Other folks have been asking where to get us on other podcasting apps. We're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. Um, pretty much anywhere you go to get a podcast, um, you can find us. So uh, search for Hawk Blogger, search for Real Hawk Talk. You should find it. Um, and obviously, go over to hawkblogger.com. Um, all the information's there. All the articles are there as we get ready to wind up this 2020 Seahawks season. It's going to be awesome. Uh, looking forward to, yes, Evan? We should say we are looking forward to the postgame show yeah. on Sunday because that is happening 20 minutes after the game, assuming we're all not in a super pissed off state and are super depressed. So that is true. Leave that, that contingency. Um, you will also uh, get a yet another uh, conversation about this game tomorrow when Softy and I do our weekly podcast. So uh, tons and tons of content. Um, happy to be back and uh, everyone take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones and uh, go Hawks.